Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Switchcraft is brought to you live three times a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern and on Saturday at whatever time I can get to it. Tune in live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by Scott Remick. Support Switchcraft and my other content for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. Episode 228 of Switchcraft is brought to you by OPC. Get a fantastic gaming chair and support the show by getting a chair that supports you. Head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash OPC and get $10 off your gaming chair today. Our first story today was sent in, uh, Door to Door Geek uh, tweeted it at me, and uh, this is a very interesting post over on Reddit uh, by the user Tim Switcher. Uh, they had done some analysis on the Switch tax. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, the Switch tax is the belief that generally games on the Nintendo Switch are more expensive than games that are on other systems. Uh, This has to do with mostly the cost of cartridges. Uh, Nintendo um, charges the game developers to use the cartridges. The cartridges cost money. Uh, I think it's like 10 bucks uh, for a cartridge. Uh, And then the developers, some of them absorb that cost, usually the bigger developers because they just, they don't want to charge more than $60 for a game. But Smaller developers that can't really afford to absorb that cost, they pass that cost on to us. So when you go into the store and you're you're standing there uh, looking at the shelf and you see uh, over here we've got the PlayStation version of this game and over here we've got the Switch version of this game, how come the Switch version is $10 more? Now you know why. Um, but they went ahead and looked at the, the their analysis of the Switch tax versus Steam. So comparing the prices of things on Switch to the prices of things on Steam. And uh, they said uh, they pulled all of the Steam prices into their database. And then they said of the 1,042 Switch games, which are currently in our database, we found 471, which were also available on Steam. If you were to buy all of them on the eShop, it costs $7,438.09. If you buy them all on Steam, that's $6,933.87. And then they kind of averaged it out and they said, how much is the Switch tax? It's about 8% if you're buying digitally. Now, some people might say, well, hold on. You just said that the reason that we have a Switch tax is because of the cost of the cartridge. If I'm buying the game digitally then I shouldn't have to pay the quote-unquote switch tax. And I couldn't agree with you more. So why is it that sometimes a developer will have the um, the cost of the game be higher uh, on the switch, on, on the digital eShop than on others? And I think, and this is, I don't have any insider knowledge here. This is just what my gut tells me. I think that it probably has mostly to do 
with um, the brick and mortar stores, places like GameStop. GameStop, you know, they still have a lot of clout in the industry. And if, if like, let's pretend for a second that I'm GameStop and you are trying to sell a game, you're an independent developer uh, on Steam, you charge your game is, is uh, $10 and uh you want us you want me to sell it in in uh my store well first off i i have a rule and i i don't know if this is 100% true but this is something that i read a long time ago and i think it makes sense um gamestop will have a rule that says listen if you want us to put your game out there on the shelf and give it a good uh placement then we want you to charge at least $25 for your game. All right. So what costs $15 on um on Steam might cost $25 for for one reason, because you got to pay for the cost of the cartridge and shipping and all that stuff. And then another reason might be in order to get good placement. If you don't have a, a game that costs $24.99 then that game won't get as good of placement, which means it won't be in the eye line. It'll be uh, just turned to the side in a stack with other games. And, you know, that's not good for you as a developer when you are trying to compete with all of those other games that are out there. How is your game going to get noticed? Um, that still doesn't answer the question, why does it cost the same on the eShop when you're not paying for that extra stuff? And again, this comes from the brick and mortar uh, stores. Those, those, um, you know, like GameStop, uh, they will they will often say, look, "Look, if you want us to carry your game, you won't have it more expensive. Uh, y- you won't let it be cheaper on the eShop than it is in our store because then we're just going to not carry your game." And and like I said, GameStop is a big deal in the gaming industry they can kind of bully these smaller developers around into doing that kind of thing uh so that's why the switch tax applies to digital as well as physical even though it doesn't really seem fair the developers who put it out as a as a physical product they're almost trapped into raising their price on the eShop. That is, unless the game is a huge game, really, really wildly popular, and GameStop knows it's going to sell really well, then they'll back off and they'll say, well, you know what, we'll let you guys do uh, whatever uh, whatever you want because we know that your game's going to sell well and so we're going to make some money off of it. All right, let's go back to this report, though. Uh, on average, the, the switch tax is just under 8% if you're buying digitally. Uh, this was interesting. Uh, 55% roughly of the games were the same price on eShop as they were on Steam. And 10% of them were cheaper on the eShop than they were on Steam. Uh, so 55% and then eight per, or ten, like roughly 10%. So it's probably around 35% or so are more expensive on uh, Switch than they are on Steam which is a very interesting thing. Uh, And then they went through and they listed uh, publishers who are not charging more for games on the eShop. So if you want to know who, which which publishers are being awesome and um, uh, charging the same on Steam as they do on the eShop, well, that'd be 10 Tons, Adult Swim Games, Blitworks, 
uh, Curve Digital, Devolver Digital, Eclipse Games, Gambitious, Mixed Bag, Play Dead, Raw Fury, Rising Star Games, Square Enix, Tomorrow Corporation, Tribute Games, and Versus Evil. And there's a whole bunch more uh, at a um, at a website called switcher.co, uh, which you can find at switcher.co slash features slash switch tax analysis. Or you can just follow the link in the show notes. Uh, so there's a lot more to the article than what I told you about. I was just kind of glossing over the, the the main details. So how do I feel about the switch tax? Well, I feel like the biggest issue for me is the fact that the brick and mortar stores are able to swing that big hammer around and scare the small publishers into keeping it expensive on the eShop or or the same price on the eShop as it is in the uh in the brick and mortar store and that's too bad i mean publisher uh, uh developers make more money on an eShop sale than they do on a physical sale uh there's a lot of extra costs that go into making a physical game and i think that at this point I know that um, places like GameStop are doing this to try and, I don't know, stave off the inevitable uh, and, and and say what you want about physical versus digital. But inevitably, we are moving to an all digital future where you are not going to be able to walk into a store and buy a physical game anymore. And that's why GameStop is doing they're fighting this tooth and nail to try and keep as much um profit and make as much profit as they can before it all dries up out from under them and uh the way i feel about it is i feel like they're kind of being jerks and uh, i've never been a big fan of gamestop uh and anybody who's ever heard me talk about them they can they can almost hear the venom in my voice when i describe the smarmy dirty stuff that they do um I, I'm not a fan of GameStop, and they are a necessary evil right now. But uh, in the future, when we have all digital, they're not going to be able to pull stuff like this, and they won't be able to influence the price that a developer uh, puts on something. Because I guarantee that there's developers out there who, you know, they they put out a physical copy of something, and then they were like, oh, "All right, I guess I'll sell it at twenty five bucks." Because then it'll get good placement, when in reality, if they sold it at 15 then it would probably sell a lot more because more people would be likely to pick it up. Um, but I don't know. I'm curious as to what you guys think about the quote-unquote switch tax after uh, hearing this information. I do think that that the switch tax is, for physical media, is completely fair for small developers. But when you're talking about big developers like Square Enix or um, Blizzard or anybody like that, uh, then they can afford to absorb that cost. And most of the time they're putting out $60 games anyway. And going more than $60, unless you're adding a bunch of other stuff, is usually a good way to shoot yourself in the foot. At least that's how I look at it. Uh, let's take a look at what chat says here. Uh uh, Chaz in chat says, I am confused on why GameStop can charge more for some used games and the same game can be cheaper brand new. 
you're right. That doesn't make sense. I don't know why that would happen. Uh, NJ Slap says GameStop always buys games for $6 and resells them for 35 Yeah, I kind of stopped trading in my games, not because I collect them, although I kind of do. Like, they're behind me. I, you can't quite see them because they're off camera, uh, but they're behind me. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just not worth it. You know, the amount of money that they give you back is really just not worth it. Now, a while ago, my son uh, traded in a bunch of his games uh, so that he could buy some other game because I wouldn't give him the money for it. Um, So he traded in a bunch of games that he wasn't playing anymore and got some money and ended up buying something. I can't remember what game it was. Uh, But for the most part, I just I buy a game and then I, I now I just own it and I keep it. And I personally, I've been moving away from physical games. I have not been buying, I've not been going to the store and buying the physical versions of games mostly uh, because I want to have them on my Switch whenever I want. On my PS4, I almost never buy physical games because we have two PS4s in the house and we can share the digital games between them and even play at the same time, which is crazy. Uh, I don't, still don't understand how PlayStation gets away with that, but sure. I know that there's a lot of people out there who like physical games, but I just I prefer digital. It's it's easier for me. The only games that I buy physical are games where it's a single player game, and I'm probably going to share it with my son, so he and I will take turns. Uh, if it's something that multiplayer where we might play together or we might want to play at the same time, then every single time I buy digital uh, for myself and physical for him if he wants to trade it back in afterwards or digital for him if it's something where he's like well I think I'm going to play this all the time uh, then it's easier to 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 jump in on that with digital what do you guys do uh, Mr. Miyamoto sat down with um, Bloomberg and he was talking to Yuji Nakamura and uh, Yuki Furukawa Uh, And he was talking about basically the gaming industry as a whole. And he said something that I, you know, it's a very interesting article and you should go and read it. The the link is in the show notes. Um, But he said something very interesting in the article, which I thought was uh, a good thing uh, to, to focus on. And it was all about how much people are charging for games and the idea of a free to play model versus uh the actual price model uh big thank you to year's end for subscribing on twitch prime uh you are awesome there we go um let's take a look at what he said he said i can't say that our fixed cost model has really been a success and so he says look even though I recommend that we use a fixed cost model where you go to buy something uh, on the app store on your phone and it costs five bucks. Uh, Or the other model is it's free. Um, But (laughs) the way that, how do I, how do I want to say this? I want to make sure that I say it the the right way. Um, Nintendo has been exploring different ways to charge people for their games. So they started with Super Mario Run. Super Mario Run cost 10 bucks. Everyone complained. Way too expensive. Okay. Mario, uh, Nintendo said, all right, fine. We're going to try 
uh, a different model with Fire Emblem. They put Fire Emblem out for free and with in-app purchases uh, and they, you know, they made buckets of money. They did the same thing with Animal Crossing and made buckets of money. And not only that, but uh, they, I, a lot of people even complained about Animal Crossing because they took it a step too far and really, uh, really uh, jumped in on the uh, randomized nonsense that's in the game. Uh, he says, I can't say that our fixed cost model has really been a success, but we're going to continue pushing it forward until it becomes entrenched. That way, everyone can develop games in a comfortable environment. By focusing on bringing games to the widest range of people possible, we can continue boosting our mobile game business. So this is really good news, I think, because Mr. Miyamoto is saying, look, we tried to do the fixed cost uh, model and it backfired on us, but we're not going to abandon it because we think that that's what's best for the gaming industry as a whole. Now, the people who really like um, the free-to-play model, uh, and I'm talking about developers or publishers, the, the, the things that they really like about it is it has a very predictable income and it allows them to put out a game with a lot less risk uh, because they, they they know that they're going to make a bunch of money on it whereas if they put it out and nobody even tries it because they don't want to try they don't want to spend five dollars on a game look people you spend as much on a cup of coffee you go to Starbucks you buy a coffee it costs five bucks probably more you can afford to try a five dollar game on your phone you know, um, that's how I feel anyway. But, you know, when 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 you do a free to play model, it's very predictable what they're going to do. Uh, there are always going to be some whales. There are always going to be people who pay nothing for it. And you're always, always, always going to make some money off of it. Uh, whereas a lot of people will just ignore anything that costs money in the eShop, or not the eShop, but the App Store. They just ignore anything. And the re a lot of people who are against the, the free-to-play model, people like me, I don't like that stuff because it really turns the game in... It, it almost ties the hand of the developer. We have to make some kind of reason for you to hit that in-app purchase. We can't just focus on making a game that is just a fun game and have the fun game sell uh, because it's a fun game. We have to put something in the game to drive our customers to make these purchases because if we don't, then it's just not going to work. Now, I'm not going to say that the free-to-play model is always bad. I mean, because if we look at Fortnite, Fortnite is making a bunch of money. <clears throat> The reason I think they're doing so well is because they don't have a free-to-play model that focuses on gambling. Excuse me, I have a cough in my throat that I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. <coughs> I'm sorry about that. All right. Um, so that almost always happens in free-to-play games. The developer is kind of they've 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 been hamstrung. They can't do anything. They have to force uh, customers into one of two things, either to grind endlessly in a monotonous, not fun thing, or to 
buy a loot box in order to gamble to win the thing that you actually want. Uh, there's a couple of companies that do things the right way when it comes to free-to-play markets uh, or free-to-play models. And I, I don't think that Nintendo Nintendo went way too far the other way when they did Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem. I think that they were doing the right thing when it came to Super Mario Run. And uh, there's got to be something in, in the middle. There's got to be something in the middle that, that can work. Uh, but what's really going to answer this question, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up, Rock and Roller, because I almost forgot about it, uh, is Mario Kart. Nintendo has a new Mario Kart game coming, Mario Kart Tour, I think it's called, and it's coming to your phone. And I, a lot of people are wondering, what is Nintendo going to do for that game, for their monetization model? And if Mr. Miyamoto is any indication, it looks like it's going to be a buy it once and you always own it, which would be fantastic. I think that that, that would be something that I am interested in buying. I would probably pick it up and try it out. Um, I would give them the benefit of the doubt because more often than not, Nintendo makes fantastic games and I have a lot of fun with them. Uh, I'm, I'm, you should read the rest of the interview cause it's really good. And, uh, I agree with Mr. Miyamoto that a fixed cost model is better for the gaming industry. It's better for the developers. It's better for uh, the publishers in the long run. And it's better for the consumers. Uh, and the people who it's best for are the consumers. Yes, in the short term, um, the developers and publishers, they can make a bucket load of money doing the free-to-play loot box gambling stuff, but that isn't going to last forever. And it's only going to cause uh, the government of various countries to come down really, really hard on that. And uh, that means regulation where you don't want any regulation. Uh, so I think that they should self-regulate and stop the, the loot box gambling stuff in games that are designed for kids. Paperboy from Mindscape for your Nintendo Entertainment System. Well, this was really, really surprising to me, and that is Nintendo of America on Twitter. They have tweeted, uh, I mean, we just had one, but... They have tweeted that we need to tune in on August 28th at 9 a.m. Pacific time. That's noon Eastern time for you people. And if you're in any other time zone, you can figure it out yourself. Um, there's a new Indies, I'm sorry, Nindies uh, showcase video presentation highlighting multiple unannounced indie games coming to Nintendo Switch. And you can watch it at live.nintendo.com. Um, I may be able to uh, co-stream this over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp, so uh, make sure you stop by there. And if even if I can't co-stream it, I will host it so that uh, you can watch it there and then you can chat with the community uh, while you're watching it. But that's really surprising to me, and the reason why it was surprising to me is because we just had an indie showcase. It was less than a week ago. I think it was less than a week ago that we had one. And we're having another one in three days, uh, five days. Sorry, I can't do math. Um, having another one in five days, I think that's crazy. And I'm I'm definitely excited. Uh, it seems like we're getting more and more information uh, coming. But still, no Nintendo Switch Online Direct. 
I really want to hear more about the Nintendo Switch Online, and it's supposed to come off, come out in the second half of September. I'm looking at the first half of September, and we're going to have to see something in the first half of September. We're, they have to explain exactly what it is that we're getting. Um, Pudding has a very good point in chat. They said at the end of the last one, they said, expect more coming soon. Um that's true. And the last one wasn't a direct. Yes, I know. It was a video from Nintendo, though. So that's a direct as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's nomenclature nonsense right there. I'm not going to get caught up in nomenclature. Uh, but anyway, tune in. Let's find out what is it that we're going to get. I hope it's something cool. Reach from his Pac-Man. All right, I'm going to take the rest of these stories and wrap them up in a in the lightning round just because we're running long and I don't want the episode to be too long. Uh, first off, here's a big question. How are we going to talk in Diablo? I was just saying to the Twitch chat um, between recording sessions here uh, that it we're coming up on the end of August and at the end of September, we're supposed to get the Nintendo online service and we still don't know enough about it. I don't feel like, uh, and with Diablo coming this year, how are we going to talk to each other? Now there's an article that is from game informer and in the game informer article, they talk about, uh, their experience with hands-on with Diablo three Reaper of souls. And, you know, I read through the article and, and, it's funny, a lot of people are saying uh, that this article means that we're going to be uh, getting our voice chat in there, right? Here's what it says in the article. It says, the game uses Nintendo's online service, which does mean that is one of the titles that supports cloud saves. It also, unfortunately, means that it uses the Switch's app for voice chat. Players who are serious about playing together might want to consider external methods for com communicating with each other unless they're very dedicated to, to using the switch online app uh, and their phones all right so i have a couple of issues with this and then i'll say those and move on because i really gotta get out, get get this done uh so here's my first issue with this i don't see a quote anywhere in this from a representative from blizzard or a representative from nintendo that says that the nintendo switch uh, app will use voice for Diablo. Uh, right now, and there, there's there's a couple of games on the Switch that use voice, uh, but right now, if I open up the Nintendo Switch online app on my phone, there is one game that utilizes it, and that is Splatoon 2. Nobody else has confirmed that we're going to have a little icon on here for Diablo 3. Will we? Uh, probably. But there's no there's no ac actual confirmation here. So a lot of people are walking around saying Diablo 3 is going to be using it, using the voice chat app. We don't know that for sure because I don't see any quote here from Blizzard or Nintendo. My second issue with what I read here is that uh, where it says here, uh, players who are serious about playing together might want to consider external methods for communicating. Okay, so why do you have to use external methods for communicating if you're serious? Uh, I have used, when I turned on my, my light, there we go. I have used the, uh, I've used this app when playing Splatoon once. 
it worked fine. My biggest gripe with it was when it first came out, you couldn't shut the screen off, which was a huge issue. You can shut the screen off now, so who cares? If this is what you want to use, then this is what you want to use, and that's fine. Am I going to use it? No. What am I going to use? I'm going to use Discord. Why? It'll just be easier for me. But I think if you don't have access to Discord, I mean, let's really think about this. No matter what you use, you have to use some other device in order to communicate when you're playing online if you want to use voice so the idea that um okay that uh that the nintendo switch app is worse than the discord app is doesn't really hold much water for me as far as voice communications go Uh, trust me i'm a huge fan of discord and discord is is uh great for uh, having a community gather or gather around, we have a Discord for our community. You can join it at runjumpstomp.com/discord. But the voice on Discord works just as good, or no better than the voice on the Nintendo Switch phone app. And if I'm playing Diablo three and I want to communicate with somebody else using either my phone or a computer, then the Discord app and the uh, Nintendo Switch voice app they work the same. Who cares? I think that that's, I, I think that that was just the way that they wrote that almost felt like they were just bandwagoning because everybody else loves to hate that app. Trust me. I don't want to use that app. I would prefer to just have my, my voice communications go straight through the switch, but that's not going to happen. Nintendo has basically said, we're not doing that. And, um, I, I just think that, <laughs> I think that that's a huge mistake, but the fact that everybody says how horrible this app is, it's no worse than anything else. People just like to use Discord because that's what we use for everything. At least that's how I feel. Uh, In chat says, Valasaur says, they may worry about children getting harassed via via built-in voice chat. Um, Diablo 3 is M-rated. You know, I mean, don't let your kid play that game if you're worried about them being harassed. Uh, And... Honestly, if you're worried about that, they have parental controls. All Nintendo has to do is turn on an option for me to say, no, you can't use voice chat. There you go. Done. Super easy. Um, In fact, I think that's already an option, and I have it turned on for my son, so when he plays Fortnite, he can't talk to anybody. Oh, and Valistar saying he means in general, not specific to Diablo 3. I get what you're saying, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's just a parental controls thing. All you have to do is have that turned on and you'd be all set. All right, let's get to the rest of the lightning round, which way I, I went way too long today. Uh, Super Mario Party does not support the Switch Pro controller. My first reaction when hearing that was, what the heck, man? This is like the best controller. I love this thing. I want to use this Pro controller all the time. Uh, why can't I use this? And then I watched this video, which you can watch. Uh, linked in the show notes, uh, River Survival Mode Super Mario, Super Mario Party. And uh, I was like, oh, well, they're doing weird stuff with the controller because of the motion controls. Of course we don't want to use the Pro Controller. It's not shaped the same. It would be weird and awkward. Uh, so, yeah, they want everybody using the Joy-Con, so everybody's on an even playing field. So I think that's interesting. Um Grandia uh, 1 and 2 are both coming, getting an HD remaster and coming to the Nintendo Switch. 
And if you want to see 12 minutes of undocked gameplay footage from Gamescom 2018 of Dark Souls Remastered for the Nintendo Switch, make sure that you check that out over at the link in the show notes. All right. And we've got a raid happening right now. Let me stop recording and uh, we will deal with the raiders. Fight back, people. Fight back. Sonic 2 handles stubborn stains. Embarrassing bald spots, no problem. And that is it for today's episode. If uh, you liked the music at the beginning of the episode and you want to know what it is, it is by Tony Lays, and it is called Rystar Splashdown. And I'm going to play that music again right here at the end of the show. So make sure that you uh, check out their stuff over at runjumpstomp.com slash music. Uh, big thank you to everyone who... Uh, was here today. Don't forget that if you want the full show, because remember, the audio version kind of gets cut down, but if you want the full show, you can either come watch live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp, or you can watch these videos after the fact over at youtube.com slash runjumpstomp. If you are looking to support my content, you can do so over at runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. You can join our Patreon and get access to extra podcasts over there at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. All the links there help me create more content. Uh, that's the wrong thing to say. Um, lots of stuff over at uh, runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. All the links there help me create more content. Thank you so much for uh, everybody who's already supported the show. And uh, now it's time to thank all of the live chat people. We've got lots of people here today because I just got a raid from Bog Otter. If you're not a Twitch user then you might not really know exactly what that means. But uh, basically, uh, when you raid somebody, you send all of your users over to somebody else's channel. Uh, and Bog Otter is one of my favorite streamers. He just uh, he just raided me and all of his people are here. So I'm going to run through all of those people. But before I do, you should go to twitch.tv slash Bog Otter. It's B-O-G-O-T-T-E-R. And follow that guy because he's awesome. Uh, let's go ahead and thank the live chat. We've got Abigail13, Kodiak Moonwolf, Vaxer, um, Edelweiss, uh, Azaria, Batchild, Boengli, Bog Otter. Hmm, wonder who that is. Uh, Bread for Loaf, 728, C20, Gleason, Calming Spider. There's no such thing as a calming spider. All spiders are terrifying. Uh, let's see who else is here. Uh, Kroix B, Triple K. Uh, D and Man 2, Desolate Souls, Dysphoria, Digital, I Digital Iminal, that's hard to say, uh, DJ Windrunner, Dude Steve, Dr. Dents, uh, Dublinari, or Dublinari, I don't know how to say that, uh, Dundalzan, Etz Javo, Fallen1121, uh, Ferrali78, this is really funny hearing me try and... Uh, trip over these names. Fomnix, Gab, Gazmags, Glitter Socks. I love that name, Glitter Socks. Golamancy, Grumpy Jams, Helvetica Bowl, Jay Hartley 17, Joe 238, Joe, Joel Mead 24, John Sorb, John DeFancy Pants, JRE 3, Jules 1903, Calville Kellenden 719, Lawworthy M3, DCU5, Mama Twinklebird. <laughs> That's a great name. Mama Twinklebird. McConnell 64, Mellowstar 33, Mikey B. Playing, MJ Staple, Nanamana Fafafua, 
I don't know how to say that. Uh, Nair Bear. I know Nair Bear. Uh, let's see who else. I'm uh, Ollie 189. Blondie, Chaz, Pencil Packs, Phil CKD, R Miles 87, Rock and Roller 1 Up, Rodak On, uh, Rylar, Sales, Sonority, Sathadora, Sand Spectre, Skinny Seahorse, Skyline, Slow Cool, Slow Solo, oh Solo, uh, Somewhat Obsessed, Stray Sheep, Strange Hay. Tangerine Cupcake, I love that name. Uh, Tan Leo, TF Wagner, The Demon King, The Mart, The Martin 600, Tito Curl, Trev125, V and K, Virgo Pros, Void2258, Valido9, Wolf's Rune, Wosuko, Yana Hasanana. Oh, that was really impossible to say. All right. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.